I'm glad both uh, Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray could be here tonight. They're both very talented guys. Uh, Dan, of course, as Bill, I think, was one of the original members of Saturday Night Live. Went on to make hit movies like Blues Brothers, Trading Places. The latest movie is called Ghostbusters, which opens this Friday. Would you welcome, please, Dan Aykroyd. Good to see you. Good to see you. Ah, boy, I'm incredibly nervous. <laughs> uh, you look resplendent tonight, sir. Just tremendous. It and, looks uh, a little uh, a high school promish, doesn't it? Well, that's okay. You can carry it, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is me. Uh, how you been? Uh, very good. Very good. Very excited about Ghostbusters. Are you? Uh, really? Yeah, absolutely. It's got lots of laughs, lots of special effects, and uh, family picture, and uh, we're very, very excited. It's going to be a good one. Okay. Thank you, Dan, for being okay, with us. Now, the next guest. <laughs> Got it all out of the way right now. Mm. Should we bring out your compatriot in this picture? Hey, why not? Uh, Bill, of course. Bill had made some uh, very funny pictures. Meatballs, uh, Caddyshack, Stripes, and he's also co-starring in Ghostbusters. He really carries the ball in this one. We engineered and structured this movie for him. He is great. He's getting the best reviews of his career. Mr. Bill Murray. Right. All right. You heard what the man said? <laughs> yeah, he gave you the whole picture, true? Yeah, he's a coward, he's a coward and, yeah. uh, <laughs> It was a difficult uh, job because uh, Harold and Dan wrote the script And uh, they basically said uh, Why doesn't Bill say that? <laughs> they give you so the they gave me all the lines And I end up looking like a jerk Saying stuff like, okay guys, let's go <laughs> <laughs> For an hour and 45 but, minutes But you say that well Huh? Well, I had yeah. some practice. You know, we none of us have really met. I saw Dan a couple of years ago at the Oscars. I, yep. I don't think we have ever met until tonight in the hall, have we? We made eye contact once. <laughs> yes. Dan seems to be caught up in the. Dan's a wreck. Dan's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, this is very serious. Yeah, we'd be working and he'd be talking about these things and bringing out pictures of his great grandfather mm. and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> but. Uh, I have seen one ghost, and I've talked about this publicly, and I'll, I'll talk about No, I about haven't heard you talk about it. You've seen a ghost. Yeah, I saw a ghost. There's a restaurant in, that we worked in, in this thing on, in New York called the Tavern on the Green. Sure. And there is a ghost there, and it's, he's a guy. He's a waiter. And he comes up, and he goes through the whole thing, plays it perfectly straight, says, you know, tells you what the special is, and then takes your order, and then he disappears. You never... Welcome to the Nightfly Podcast. I'm your host, David Juskow. And we are here in the month of May celebrating the greatness of what is the Nightfly. Hello, everybody. Yes, thank God. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame got it correct. So finally, the Go-Go's finally going to be inducted into that. Not finally, but, you know, at least they, they got it right this year. We'll talk about it more later. 
What an appropriate song. Has the whole world lost its head? Well, I'm pretty sure the Go-Go's got it right as well. And you know, as this is not enough that I've been just really snapping at everybody and going crazy because, you know, there's so much going on. I actually really believe the whole world has lost its head. I mean, think about this. Let's just get it going, right? I mean, this is like ridiculous. This is what I just read. They said it's in the, I've seen it in the papers. I've seen it in TV. Number, this is just today. I'm taping this on Sunday. It comes out on Tuesday, May, I don't know, 18th. And uh, and I apologize yesterday to our Patreon fans that I didn't get it out on Saturday because I waited because I was doing a show. And I said, well, let me wait till Sunday because then I could talk about doing an outdoor show, which I will in a second. But let me just tell you these little news articles here for a second. I'm reading this this morning. I, should, I shouldn't be reading the paper anymore. It's making me crazy. And I don't need to be driven any more crazier, as you know, as you've heard of my last few podcasts. The, the police are going to be banned from pride events, you know, when the, the gays have whatever they're doing. I don't think they're doing, uh, thank God, I don't think they're doing a parade and it has nothing to do with gay. As you know, I just hate parades. So, yeah, the, the, the world's largest gay pride celebration is not having an NYPD presence. <laughs> Motherfuckers, what the fuck is the matter with you, you dumb fucks? I mean, what is going on, right? I mean, this is crazy. People don't want the police around. Do you know what's happening? I'll tell you what's happening. It's my sister who wants me to take the subway. You know, take me to the four, five herd in subway rampage. There's a bunch of, there's four dudes that are just stabbing people on the subway during the hours when I would normally take it. I mean, the subway is a mess. This is all in the paper. Then Penn State, are you ready for this? Penn State is taking out, and remember how much I hate this fucking place. With the, you know, they're the ones that kept Sandusky around. I guess they're doing this maybe to just get a better. I don't know. It seems like everybody's forgotten about that already. Isn't that great? And they're they're taking out the words. They don't like freshman and sophomore. They're changing it to first year and second year because for some reason that's considered a sexist term. Uh, okay, fo- right? Is that is that the like the last straw for you guys? Because it is for me the, the first year and. And replace upperclassmen and with lower division and upper division. I guess because it has the word men in it. Who cares? Jesus fucking Christ, I swear to God. I mean, th- th- yeah, and this guy's asking, Reverend, how long is that until the Nittany Lion, which is a male term, is replaced by a neutral gender correct subspecies, Eastern Cougar? I mean, this, this is getting insane, right? And it's just up. This is just the stuff I read this morning. And then my favorite one, uh, St. John's, the the worst school ever, axed a professor because she used the N-word while she was reading from Mark Twain's book, Puddinghead Wilson, which is a novel about the harmful things of racism and stereotyping. That's what the book is about. And of course, there was some student, and she made me feel uncomfortable when she read that from the book. I can't take it, I tell you. I can't take it. This is a guy that's putting in what... Now, I, I don't know what the story with uh, Huck Finn... I mean, I, we know that's the way people spoke back then or whatever. But the putting at Wilson is a story about, I think it's like a, a slave who had a baby, but she, I guess, must have had it with a white person. Like, there were two white kids... 
and they were switched. Just as, and, and what it shows you is that there's, there's no difference between the people or people. I don't, it's an anti-slavery book that Mark Twain was writing during slavery. And these uneducated people clearly at Saint, who attend St. John's aren't getting the message. And now they've made the N-word even bigger than it should be. And that's the whole point of the story, right? You know, if you keep using it, I mean, I mean, Lenny Bruce was talking about this in the 60s. If, if, if President Kennedy was just using the N-word like in a, or something or just keep saying it, then it, it would go away somehow. It takes the, the power off it. Are we that, um, does the word cunt mean anything now? I, I don't even like saying it on the podcast. I mean, I do use it a lot, but ever since Kevin Brennan in the days who used to throw it around before anybody when it was completely shocking, I feel like it doesn't have as much power as it used to. I mean, they, if you've seen the, the movie, the, the Amazon show, The Boys, that guy uses it all the time, the lead character. That's all he ever says. It's lost its power. Used to be a pretty powerful word, but that's that's what I, I mean. I'm not saying to use the N word all over the place, but well, maybe it was. I don't know. Quentin Tarantino used to, or maybe still does. Well, how is that guy not canceled? How is Quentin Tarantino not canceled? You know what I'm saying? He will be. It's just a matter of time. They're doing with the Golden Globes now. They're canceling the Globes. I've got no problems with this whatsoever. Oh, people finally figured out there's no diversity in the Golden Globe. They're handing back their awards. Is it not driving you guys crazy too? We're worried about such nonsense. And I just don't need to hear it because I'm already in a bad place. But you really thought things were going to be different once everything kind of got back to normal, like people would be more celebrating than ripping apart everything. You know, they're mad at Elon Musk. I watched the SNL. It was great. Elon Musk, he's, the guy says he's got Asperger's. And these fucking pricks at Saturday Live, A.D. Bryant and Boeing Yang, whatever these fucking douchebags are, they're yelling at a guy with Asperger's. We shouldn't be We shouldn't be having him on the show. Think about that, jerk-offs. He didn't even apologize. He, the guy said he had He like it's, I guess people knew, but he didn't say it before. He kind of premiered it on SNL. The guy that has Asperger's did good for himself, and they're all like, he shouldn't be on the show because he's got money. But he did a great job because he's not an actor, so he was great. The show was awful. But he was good enough. Who cares? Again, who cares? Who are these, who are these people that are picking on everybody? It's really just, it's out of control, right? Has the whole world lost its head? And go figure. See, that's when you know things are upside down. Go figure. Everything is crazy, and yet the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame got it right. And we'll talk more about that later. Let me tell you about this week. Last evening, I'll just start with yesterday. The reason why I didn't do the podcast until today. And again, I apologize. I like giving out to the uh, Patreon subscribers on a Saturday night. And I feel like some of them uh, listened to it then, maybe three we lost a Patreon subscriber this week. It's my fault. He was at the Maggie level, everybody's favorite level. I'm not giving out the bonus content. I deserve it. I'm not giving out the bonus content. I don't know whether I promise. I said I'm working on it, but I really haven't begun it. Besides the tote bags, I guess that's not good enough, which it's not. You know, I, I need to come out with something else. So I got I to gotta think of stuff. It's totally my fault. I just I haven't been on point with that because I guess I've been busy. But that's not your concern. 
I can't use that as an excuse. You're kindly paying for the patronage of, 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 of me to do a job for you. How can I say, oh, I've been too busy? That is not an excuse. But I have been. I mean, I'm not, I'm not using it as an excuse. I'm just telling you. You know, I've been putting the podcast together, of course. That's lovely. And, of course, the Billy Joel podcast, which, you know, I feel like you're also paying for. If you are, if you are in fact, enjoying the Billy Joel podcast, I think we're getting it right. I mean, we're really... I'm really having a good time with it. That's the only thing that makes me happy. And I've been editing it like not like when I wake up in the middle of the night now, I'm like, oh, let me edit the podcast. Because, you know, we got a, a lot of them. And I've been, you know, even enjoying doing that. So this week on the Billy Joel podcast, uh, we start with the bees. I don't know if you heard last week's with our interview with the guy from New York Magazine, Christopher Bonanos. And then the, the A's wrap up everybody's favorite show. <laughs> But this week, we got Baby Grand coming out, awful song, and Big Man on Mulberry Street, the second most awful song. I don't want to ever hear any of those songs again, but I say that directly on the podcast, and that's fun. There's nothing we can do about it. The songs have come up. I, there's a lot of Billy Joel songs I don't like, but that is, again, the fun of the podcast. It's kind of like being on a sports station, and I think as a, a DJ, or whatever you'd call it, um, you'd prefer a Yankees loss as a person who's got to be on the radio for five hours than a Yankees win sometimes because that's more entertaining to talk about. You know, you're going to get good callers and that kind of stuff. So maybe it's something like, you know, sometimes the worst songs are certainly the most more fun to talk about. We're like, this guy just doesn't get it, this Billy Joel character. But that's, of course, again, why we like Billy Joel because he writes so many good songs that the clinkers are even pretty good for any normal human being. Anywho, uh, also this Tuesday, now I don't know whether you guys were able to see uh, this week's show. The sun is on my eyes again, so I'm having trouble looking at my computer, and I apologize. So anyway, I don't know whether you guys saw the Tuesday night show, the Comedy Cellar show, but I had Matteo on, and he was doing the Liza Minnelli the whole time, and I don't know whether you liked it or not, but to me, it just works Every time he's so funny, totally worthwhile with all the nonsense and everything. It was him and Nick Griffin, and I, I, I think if you get a chance to watch it, all, here's another thing. The next day, he said, I think he was enjoying doing it too. And the next day, he did Liza Minnelli plays Call of Duty because this he plays Call of Duty and he plays Fortnite with uh, Yamanika and sometimes Marina. And they've they've asked me to join, but I don't. I'm nervous about something like that. So. He did a YouTube video. You can find it. It's called Liza Minnelli Plays Call of Duty, and you can find it. I'll play a little clip, and it's him in a little square as Liza playing Call of Duty, and it just uh, really makes me laugh every time. I'm Liza Minnelli, Academy Award winner of Cabaret. I'm so excited today. I'm going to play this game called Warzone. Call of Duty. It's an audition. Just give me love. Fun. My father was a director. And then it goes into his uh, thing that, that um, where it says it's Matteo Lane. But that you know, it's, he's just sitting in this box, and the guy you know is on a in, on a tank and look at you know it's slowing up, and then they get into the mission. And once I think he gets killed at one point, he goes, I guess 
he wasn't a Liza fan or something like that. I don't know. It's, it's the stories that go nowhere and always talking about her father and her mother. And that just cracks me up every time, every single time. I think it's funny. I guess there are people like, oh, I don't like when he's doing But it works for me on a, a daily basis. Anyway, this week, today, today, Tuesday, May 18th, we have Wayne Fetterman on. We've had him on before. He is quite the interesting character. Just wrote a book called The History of Stand-Up Comedy from, ironically, Mark Twain, who's getting canceled, to Dave Chappelle, The History of Stand-Up Comedy, and our good friend Mark Cohen from the Comedy Cellar Las Vegas. And that's been opening up, so we will hear, I think, some very interesting... I think it should be a very interesting show this tonight. Tuesday, again, when it normally comes out, May 18th. The week after, we have Wendy Liebman again. You know how much I worship her and Marina Franklin. Now, that should be a very entertaining show as well. And the week after that, we have musician and comedian or actress Jackie Tone. We had to move her up a week because uh, she's, you know, she's got a lot of stuff going on. Hopefully, she'll make it. I'm going to ask Beth Stelling to join us as well. So we got three great weeks of the Comedy Cellar nightly show, which every time I keep saying... Maybe I should stop it, but we have such great guests. I don't want to. So where to begin? Uh, I'm just going to start with last night. Last night, the reason I had postponed the podcast uh, a day, because you know I love doing it on Saturdays, is because, well, Friday and Saturday I had a show. So Saturday, last night, I had a show outside at the West Side Comedy Club, outdoors, and it was called Five Comics and Dave. I didn't promote it very much because I just didn't care. I felt like the show was getting taken away from me in a way by Felicia, who I like a lot. But, um, you know, she was the one who said, oh, I got to make it a diverse show. And I'm like, shut the fuck up and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know. It just it wasn't the way I usually produce shows where usually it's all my doing. But it, this time it was weird. But the show was so successful, I took complete credit afterwards. Uh, it really was. It was great. It was sold out. You know, people just they close out, they close off Seventy Fifth Street and Amsterdam, and on the most perfect night, maybe in two years since nobody's been out. I mean, the most perfect night, maybe a nice, comfortable, no wind, sixty nine degrees, sixty nine, sixty nine degrees, absolutely a perfect evening. So they have maybe fifty, you know, a room and tables and chairs. Everybody's sitting there. It's very classy put together in this roped off area on 75th street and then all these people on the street just kept watching from the sides it was fantastic it was really fun and really entertaining and well i did great that's the most important thing natterman did okay he just wasn't talking into the mic and brian scott mcfadden is a goddamn comic genius. This guy, and I've told you about him before last year when we had the trouble with Olga. It wasn't actually her fault. It's the the uh, owner of Governors, and he took us to this place, and he was headlining it, the whole nonsense, whatever happened. And then, I, I mean, I saw him, but it's like, you know, I asked him to be on the show. And it's just like, you know, when you think, there's people like David Tell, right, who is a genius, and it's a fact, and everyone knows it. Dave Chappelle knows it. Chris Rock knows it. Everybody knows David tells the best. But then when you see a guy like Brian Scott McFadden, and maybe his material isn't in this level of David Tell, 
But Brian Scott McFadden is a professional comedian. And when you see a professional work, no matter what the crowd is, if it's outdoors, if it's inside, whatever it is, and you just see a pro go to work like that, it's absolutely fascinating. And that is what he is, and he killed it last night. And it was really exciting seeing all the people on the street just stop and listen and be polite and never yelling or screaming anything out in New York City. It was insane. I mean, maybe that's a testament to the Upper West Side, but I mean, wow, it was great. And apparently, I guess I did really well. Everybody told me, and I felt good about it, and I was having a good time. I was even talking to the audience because there were dogs there, which was hilarious. And there's a little dog. Hi, Pipsqueak. Hi, Pipsqueak. Is that your dog's name? No. And I'm like, yes, it is now. I mean, the stupidest stuff, but um, then I told this story. Uh, it was a new joke, and I guess it worked okay. It's so stupid about my friend. Barry, who's an Orthodox Jew, who changes his plates and, you know, his dishware for Passover, changes them out. That's what you're supposed to do. And I told him, I'm like, I don't think I have to explain this to anybody on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, how Passover works. But yes, if you don't know, you have to change your like dishes and use different dishes. You got to change everything out of your cabinet. You clean out the cabinets. You get all, all anything that's not kosher for Passover. It just it makes it worse. <laughs> And he used different silverware and different plates and all that kind of stuff. And they changed their dog dish. And the audience was really funny. They were appalled. They're like, what? And I'm like, I know. I was going to call animal cruelty. Because no, everybody knows animals don't like any change. They're like, because I think I'm an animal. Dave Juskow is clearly an animal. So they don't like just, but they changed it because, you know, he's a Jewish dog, unfortunately. Now he was brought into the wrong home. <laughs> he could have had a great life. If he was stopping, but he's a British bulldog. So every time he goes outside, he goes, well, this the oddest thing happened the other day. I was going to get some water, and all of a sudden, my dish had changed. It was the strangest thing. Eight days later, it just returned as if nothing had happened. It was the strangest thing. Why do you suppose we need three quarters of an hour to prepare for lunch? That's the British bulldog. How are you? Well, I was just trying it out. But the fact of the matter is, boy, was it fun. It was so much fun, and Elon was on the show, of course, and Memo showed up. Oh, so Memo showed up, and it was fine. And uh, we went out to, and I got paid, too, a little bit. Not too much, but, uh, you know, at least it, it's something. And then uh, Memo and Elon and I went out to a bar and sat outside because it was a nice night. Actually, you know, I usually hate eating outside, but it was okay. We had a couple of beer, you know, my after-show beer, which is my favorite thing, and um, some wings. That were pretty good. And then, so, you know, they're very short-staffed. Every place in New York is short-staffed, so I wasn't worried. So Memo made two fuck-ups yesterday, and I was furious at him because, you know, lashing out at everybody. The first one he did, and I got mad at my mother, the, the, there's something going on where everybody's short-staffed lately. So when you get the waiter to come over your table, as Bill Murray explained, I mean, just as Bill Murray explained in the opening clip, when you actually get a waiter, you got to go. you got to go for it. So she's like, can I guess start you with drinks? And the memo's looking at his menu. Going, oh, I got to check the menu. And then she leaves. And I'm like, you fucking dick. You, don't, you have to check the menu for drinks? We're never going to see her again. And that rang true. We didn't see her for another 10 minutes just to get drinks. I just wanted a beer. Who says, oh, wait, I still have to look at the menu for drinks? But I let that go. 
I mean, I gave it to him first, but I didn't get mad mad. I was just like, Memo, we're never going to see her again. What's the matter with you? Let's just order at least drinks, you know, so I can be having a beer. Um, a black and tan. Oh, that's why I like the Amsterdam Al House. That's why I won money at the Super Bowl, and that's where I told a girl that, you know, you know about it. Uh, but uh, so, so we're having a good time, and everything's fine, and they bring us the check. There was like two ways. There was like a guy. Every time they came over, like, can we take your order? Like, somebody just took our order. What's going on? It's all because they were really crowded, and I think there's one waitress, maybe two, and a server who was helping. Nothing, everybody was nothing but nice. But that's the problem. I don't know if you've heard. I don't know. I think it's all over the country. Every place is short-staffed because nobody wants to come back to work because they're doing better on unemployment. Now, I'm upset by this because then they're going to take away the unemployment, and I don't want to go back to work either. <laughs> so... I get it, but so she brings the check, and it's $100 over what it should be. They charged us for a bunch of Don Julio shots, and so we're looking at it. We're like, wow, these are real COVID prices. It's like $190, and we're like, holy shit, and then we realize there's something wrong, so we go to see her, and I'm like, something is wrong with this bill. It's way off. It's not just one thing. It is really, and then she comes over. She goes, hey, guys, I took off those shots, okay? I'm going to take off the shots, and I'm like, what? We, we, oh, oh, are you? Like, like she's doing us a favor, uh, uh, guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take off the shot. Oh, you are? The fuck is the matter with you? Of course, you're goddamn right. You're gonna take off the shot. I didn't get upset. I'm just, I'm yelling at it. Now he's telling the guys after she left. I'm like, yeah. Oh, thank you for taking off the stuff we didn't buy. So then she brings the bill back, and Memo, who never ever really pays for anything or he's late to the party and paying, which I've told you a hundred times, takes out his credit card and gives it to the waitress. I don't know if you remember this scenario years ago at uh, this place, Sammy's Romanian. He took out the card and handed it to the waitress. And while she had the billfold in her hand, he put it in the thing. As, and I said, what are you paying for everybody? I mean, first of all, there was a discrepancy with the bill. So put the, let her put the bill down so we can make sure everything's gone. But he's handing her the card like he's in a rush, like he's my sister, like here. So I'm like, oh, you're paying? Because that's the thing. You know, put the thing down and let's decide how we're doing this, right? You put it down. The waitress is obviously really busy. This is the second fuck up with the waitress. He's not understanding the concept of being short-staffed. He's thinking, oh, we can discuss how we're going to pay this while the waitress waits for us. I don't know where, what world he's coming in or, or coming from, but, uh, you know, this is really fucked up, I think. You know, I'm pretty sure Elon agrees with me that the motion of her, him handing the card looked like he was just paying for everybody. And she just took the I mean, it was, I, was, I was furious. I'm like, you, that motion says you were paying for everybody, which is I thought maybe he was because I always pay for him. So I'm like, oh, maybe he's just picking up the tab. I don't know why he would. But we need to discuss it because a lot of times I'll pick up the tab or something. Anyway, I was so pissed. So I ended up Venmoing him and Elon put down cash, which Venmoing is fine. But again, we just needed a second to discuss it. And as it turned out, he's like, and Elon's like, well, we didn't, you know, we thought we'd take a look at the bill, you know, because there was a discrepancy. And he's like, oh, uh, you know, whatever. He's, I think he's embarrassed. I hope he was because it was really stupid just relax you know and um 
there was another problem. She charged us again for something. We saw it again, and, and we were like laughing. Like, you know, I said, Memo, if there's a discrepancy on this bill, I'm going to give it to you again, and there was. She, did, she fucked up something still on the bill, and we're like, oh, screw it. He's like, fine, I'll pay for the extra. I'm like, no, I'll do it. And then I left her extra money because they're short-staffed and it's COVID, and these cheap Mexican and Jews wouldn't give her an extra five bucks like a hundred dollar bill. I want to give her, I normally give $20, but I want to give 25. I feel bad. I know I don't have any money. I get it. But for some reason, this girl is doing a job. I'm sitting at home and I feel like she needs to be taken care of. And we're on the Upper West Side and we're not 22. So I paid an extra $5. We can give her $25. I mean, really big fucking deal. Isn't, Isn't that what you should do? Why does everybody suck so much? It's just obviously driving me crazy. But that kind of shit has driven me crazy way before COVID. Any that kind of cheapness or nonsense with the waiter or the handing of the fucking card that makes it look like you're paying. Who doesn't sit? You got the bill. Like, how should we do this? You know, you discuss it. Unless somebody's picking up the bill. He handed her the goddamn card. She was like, oh, great. I'll take it off this. And then we don't want to waste her time. Oh, no, uh, wait, we got to talk about it for a second. She's just like, come on. I mean, you should see how many tables. Not only did they have, I mean, this place was, you know, they have their regular bar, but now they also, the bar, the bar was packed inside, and then all the outside was packed. They have the, the stuff on the street, then they also have it on the sidewalk, and then they have another because they're on the corner. So they have a lot of outdoor space. They've actually doubled their size since the pandemic they're one of the lucky bars that they i guess they were able to survive because they knew once it came back we've now doubled our space and now that they've made the outside dining permanent they have doubled their space during the nice months between let's say really you could probably go march to december where you're going to make extra money which is really terrific but there was definitely covid pricing involved things were very overpriced Uh, But uh, that's to be expected, I suppose. And that was last night. Now, on Friday night, I did a show for my friend Vera. Now, I've known Vera for, we used to go out in the 90s, right? I've known her for a long time. When she called me uh, about a month or two ago, I'm like, oh, I'm doing this show. And and I'm like, you know what? I should just hang up right now. I know this is going to end badly somehow. She's like, oh, I need some comics. And I'm like, um, I can't help you. I can't help you. I just knew I was going to get angered by this, you know. But I agreed to do it because I've known her for so long. And I got Dan Natterman and Olga to do it. It was like, you know, $50, 15 minutes on Zoom. On Zoom, no big deal. And uh, she calls me and, you know, says... You know, like we're talking about it and she's like, you know, I have this other comic. She's really funny. And I'm like, whatever. And every time I put together a show, there's always some douchebag who isn't a comic. I'm talking about Vera. I'm talking about when I do that Big Brothers, Big Sisters. She's like, oh, I found somebody for us. Uh, This guy's. And I'm like, shut up. You asked me to do you a job, a favor. And I'm doing I'm putting the show together. I don't need your help. You asked me to do it. Let me book it. You can make a suggestion, but don't tell me you found somebody for me. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing this on my own. I'm putting the show together. You asked me, like, you know, then you're going to say, Dave, put the show together. If there's somebody I don't like, I don't want to be responsible for it. 
So, of course, uh, you know, I'm, I'm th- the whole week I'm thinking to myself, why hasn't she sent out an email, you know, telling us what's happening or whatever? And I'm like, letting it go because it ain't my responsibility. This is her stupid show. If she doesn't want to be proactive and let everybody know or remind everybody what's happening, then she's a fucking idiot anyway. And it's just Natam and me and Olga. And Thursday, after I get back from my mother's, she says, Olga canceled. And I'm like, God damn it, you know, because she's been doing that a lot. And that's pissing me off because I didn't call Olga immediately. I just relaxed because I was like, I knew she was going to cancel. And why'd she cancel? I think she was opening for a tell at Governor's. So I called a tell screaming. Hey, fuck you, man. I wasn't mad at him, obviously. But I'm like, what an asshole. I know exactly what she's doing. She canceled just so she can open for a tell, which is like she did. She canceled so she can open for Michelle Wolf or something like that. You know, and I'm like, this is not cool. It's not cool. She canceled for an extra 50 bucks. Yeah, she got paid a little more, but just a little more, and you already had a thing. And it was a Zoom thing. You could have done it at the club. Anyway, I was really angry. So Vera goes, do you know any other girls? You know, we definitely want a girl. And I'm like, fine, whatever. And I'm like, so I'm I'm like, I don't want to help her, but because I recommended all, I felt like, it, okay, it is my responsibility. So I start texting people, and I find this girl, Zarna, this Indian comic girl, and I get her. And uh, I'm like, great, it's all set. And then Vera's like, oh, I found somebody. And I'm like, and then I hit the ceiling. Then I was like, you fucking asshole. You just asked me to find you somebody. She goes, well, actually, Olga recommended somebody. And I was screaming at her because I'm like, you just asked. Now I told this girl it's all set because you asked me to find somebody in short notice hit the ceiling again i was so angry because i'm like you know she asked me to find somebody meanwhile the person i found was a better choice but you know don't be at getting you asked me to help you so then i had to cancel the girl that i got and then and then she goes oh, i just looked at her online and i didn't find her funny and i'm like that is not your decision to make what you see online of her. I mean, I've seen her, this woman destroy before. So you don't know shit. You asked me a favor. And after all said and done and everything went fine, I told her, you know, she called me after the show. She said, thanks so much, uh, all this stuff. And I'm like, and she's like, I guess I shouldn't call you again. I'm like, yeah, please don't ever call me again for anything. Because I just can't take it anymore. And I'm, I just, I'm not helping anybody who's not in comedy with shows anymore i i think i have to be done because i can't and then Italian even said he goes dave you you, you got to calm down you I, I don't think you should put together these shows anymore you can't you can't take it you know it, it's not it's making you crazy i'm like yeah you're right i don't maybe i can't i guess i could produce my own i'm sure i'd still be good at the seller but maybe not if i'm flying off the handle when everybody's got to leave or change times or whatever then it's probably not for me Remember, I, this is the way I was making a living before COVID, but maybe now, well, I don't know what else to do, but, you know, obviously I'm just losing it. Boy, I was so upset about that nonsense, but I got to relax about it, right? I mean, you got to relax, hey, man, I just got to go with the flow. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, here, and here's another example. I get a call on Friday from a very prominent manager of comedians. And they were like, hey, can you get my nephews into or cousins into the comedy cellar? 
And I said, sure, no problem. And then, and I really, and first, you know, first of all, I'm like, you can't, <laughs> you know, you, you can't do that. And I'm, I'm like, whatever, you know, I, I try to help out even though she's never helped me, but that's okay. Um, and then she's like, yeah, they're, they're underage. But uh, I'm like, well, that's, I think that's fine. You know, like, uh, but they got fake IDs. And I'm like, what? And then I had to call her. I'm like, look, I've had this problem before when Michael Sheen's kid wanted to come to the show. I said, no problem. I could totally get them in. Just know that they can't drink because they're underage. She was just starting NYU. This is Kate Beckinsdale's kid. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Lily. And uh, they came in using fake IDs and the guy confiscated it and wouldn't let him in the show. So I said, look, I've had problems with this before. Either, you know, have them use their real IDs and they can't drink or, or I, I can't help you. And then she's like, what do you mean you can't help me? Like, I'm getting shit for trying to, I'm like, are we crazy? I'm trying to help you. They're not 21. What the fuck do you want me to do? I don't own the club. I, I, I'm not sure why I'm trying to help people anymore. It's just biting me in the ass every time. It really is my pleasure to help anybody with anything, but you can see how that's been going with my nephew, with this, with helping people get spots. You just get shit on, making some money, you know? I mean, I actually had a paying gig during all of this, and, uh, you know, the people are canceling on a paying gig. I know I've made I've let a lot of people done stuff for free. I mean, I don't know what the fuck is going on. But obviously, uh, this is just something I don't think, I guess I just can't do any favors for anybody anymore. I should just hang up and say, no, I don't know how to do that. I guess that's the best course of action because I just keep getting burned. And with Vera, I'll tell you, this has happened before. Where I, I don't know if you remember, years ago, I was trying to get her a job booking music on the Stephen Colbert show. And I said, yeah, send me your resume. Send it to me on Monday. I got the connection all ready to go. It's going to be great. And then she didn't send it to me. I'm like, she's like, hey, I got kids. I got She's yelling at me because she didn't, wasn't prepared. I can't get my resume together by then. I'm like, why would you even ask me? So this has been happening way before COVID anyway, where you try and help somebody and all they do is shit on you. And I guess that happens to lots of people, but it seems to happen more to me. Where it certainly feels that way. Anywho, I'll tell you, on Monday, you know, I'm trying to acclimate myself more into the world. I'm getting a little better. As you know, I was terrified at first. But Monday, I went out. Monday. Monday night. I haven't been out on a Monday in two years. Probably more when we used to go out for wings and Monday Night Football. So I went out on Monday because Colin Smith, who, you know, is on the Comedy Cellar Nightly Show, the beautiful, handsome, talented musician, was playing at the cellar with Gnome the owner, and the, the band. And I'm like, well, I got to go support him. So I decided I'm just going to go, and I invite my friend Keanu uh, down because she's back in town now. And I said, why don't you meet me at the bar first, and we'll have a couple drinks. And she had a show to do. And I'm like, and then you can meet me there so I don't have to sit by myself. Plus, I had a meeting with Gnome because I got an idea. I can, I can just tell you. I didn't like any of the secrecy because it probably won't happen anyway, but I'm going to give it a try. I said, no, I got an idea. I'm thinking, I'm doing some forward thinking. Why don't we do a Comedy Cellar Christmas special? Like an old-time Christmas special, like one of those 80s specials that used to do for comedy, like Dangerfields used to do, or Evening at the Improv used to do. You know, really corny stuff where you're using the staff, and it's, it's just like, 
hey, Attell's not here for his spot yet. What are we going to do? You know, like that kind of nonsense, but Christmassy. And we'll sing some songs and we'll have a good time. We'll have some comedy. It'll be like an hour-long special. And he was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I would love to do that. So I'm trying to figure out how to do it. I guess I'll just write it up first and figure out where I can go from there. But that could be fun. I'm trying to come up with ideas for myself to keep me busy. That's the most important thing. Obviously, it's never about money, but that's the unfortunate thing. I am a struggling artist. I was going to say starving, but I'm definitely not starving. But I am a struggling artist who knows nothing about finances, and I just want to do quality comedy fun work. It's never been about the money. That is the main issue. It's just about making sure we all have a good time and there's plenty of stuff to laugh at. And have a, I don't, right? But it's a problem because you have to make money. And I'm just not good at figuring that part of the deal out. Because I'm sure there are other people that could come up with that idea and actually execute it, put it together perfectly, and somehow make money off of it. But I don't, I'm not sure how yet. I mean, I can see myself putting together the whole thing and not making a penny. And actually having a show on Netflix, but still not making, me not making a penny somehow. You know, I've been definitely done that before and then gotten shit for that. Like, and somebody's taken it over and I've been burned. Like the Dukes took it over or something, you know, from Duke and Duke. But, uh, you know, I guess I got much more drunk than I thought because I drank for six hours. I haven't had a, a six-hour drinking night in, again, two years, year and a half, whatever it is. So I started drinking at six and finished at midnight. When I left the place, I was like, tipsy. And I'm like, uh-oh, I think I'm drunk. I have to take an Uber home. And I took an Uber for me and Keanu and... uh yeah, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm really... She's like, no, no, you're fine. But I just wasn't used to drinking. I drank for six hours straight. And I guess I mixed vodka and beer and uh, just not ready. You know, normally that would be a normal night for me. I don't get that way. Or maybe I do. I don't know. But it was a fun night. We saw live music. Live music like you used to back in the 70s. But their band is great. And it was really fun. And I had a really good time and... Uh, Natterman came over for a while. I was that day. You know, you get to see a couple of the guys, and it's always fun. But uh, yeah, that was fun. that was just a Monday night. It was very you know how uptight I've been on going out on Mondays because oh I got a show on Tuesday for a half hour on Zoom. Oh no, I mean that happened to me yesterday. I knew I had to go out and do the show, so I could I couldn't. I mean I could have done the podcast, but I was like I can't do anything before the show. I'm like why? What is the matter with me? That's the problem with doing stand up. Is like I'm like. I can't do anything before it because I'm like, oh, I got a show tonight. So I can't concentrate on anything else, which, of course, is ridiculous. Why stand up probably isn't for me, although I am opening for a tell uh, this Thursday at a place called Crossroads in Garwood, New Jersey, which is right by my sister's house, which is hilarious because normally she'd probably come. But we haven't spoken in like three weeks to a month. I saw Dory. Um, on Thursday, at least. She doesn't seem to hate me. But, uh, yeah, opening for a tell there in Garwood. I like that place. It's called Crossroads. It's nice. I've been there before because Billy played, like, uh, whatever instrument he was playing there. We still don't believe he was even playing trumpet, trombone, something. And it was uh, he, he was just in the back. And I, I really don't think he was playing. I really think he was scamming everybody. There's no proof or evidence, but... 
But yeah, it's a nice little place. I just talked to a tell last night. Everything's cool. And I'm meeting with the people from Menlo Park Mall uh, that day as well because they're totally into the actual people, you know, above the woman I usually just get drunk with. <laughs> and they're really into it. And I told that Indian girl yesterday, Zarna, I'm like, Zarna, I'm going to make it up to you. I need you for this show. You ready for this, folks? I said, I need you for this show in Edison, New Jersey at Menlo Park Mall. She goes, oh. <gasps> That's always been my dream to perform in Edison. I know that's a horrible imitation, but I swear to God she said that. And I said, I know. And I've been telling the people at the mall, um, they're like, do you think it'll sell tickets? I got this ace up my sleeve. <laughs> Hiring an Indian woman to perform in Edison, New Jersey. She goes, did you go to J.P. Stevens? I'm like, I did. She goes, oh, that is my dream to go there. And I'm like, you're out of your mind. But that is how my hometown has turned into little India, which is why the smartest thing that Dave Jusko might ever do is hiring Zarna Garg to perform at the Menlo Park Mall show. We're going to need a bigger space. She will bring out the people. She has a lot of TikTok followers, and this will work. She's my key. I don't even need like a, an Atel or a Rachel or anybody because I got this on it. That is my theory. All of this, is, as I just told you before that, I'm not good with finances and stuff. So obviously, if I'm not good with that, then yeah, I'm probably wrong. But I mean, God, was she happy? Can you imagine? I've always wanted to perform in Edison, New Jersey. Who says that? No one ever says that. You know, you're like, oh, I've always dreamed of playing Carnegie Hall. <laughs> you know what? What the hell? I love it. I love her enthusiasm. And like I said, fuck you, Vera. I've seen this woman destroy like it's nobody's business. And it doesn't have to be a packed Indian crowd. I've seen her do it twice now. Not last night so much. She did okay last night, but it wasn't great. But she said she was trying new material. Apparently, she's selling out Caroline's a couple of weeks. She's headlining, and I guarantee she knows how to get the people there, too. But I, I'm telling you, I've seen it happen, and it's unbelievable. I don't know. I guess maybe it's very much like Russell Peters. We've talked about him before, how in the Indian, you know, I never knew who he was, and yet he was selling two sold-out shows at Radio City. I bet you she could do this. Maybe she'll let me open for her. <laughs> you know, Jesus Christ. You don't know her. Yeah, no, you don't. That's the funny thing. You don't know her. Yeah, but you don't know Russell Peters either. Well, you, maybe at this point, because he had to be acknowledged. He's selling out two nights at Radio City Musical, and then he goes, then he's opening or emceeing the, the show at Caroline's for Jeff Ross. That's the way it works. That's why it would be, you know, it'd be. I don't know who my fans would be where that would be a thing. Like, oh no, he's huge. He sells out two nights at Radio City, but for what clientele? For jerk offs and losers. <laughs> but nobody else knows who he is. The classy people have no idea who Dave Joskow is. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to call you guys that at all. I was making fun of myself, please. I know you didn't take offense. And that's the other thing, too, you know, it's like the stuff that's pissed me off. On Wednesday, I was meeting the girl, Felicia, who books the uh, West Side Comedy Club, and we were doing a little video promotion for the thing. She said, oh, why don't we do a video promotion? Because I asked her if she wanted to have lunch. And uh, I'm, she's like, just meet me at the club at noon. I'm like, fine. You know, I'm just trying to make reasons to get out of the house. She, I go, fine. 
And I wake up at like 10.30, and I'm going to take the scooter over there. And then she's like, and then it's, it's what, 10.45 or 10.50, and I'm just having some coffee or something. And she's like, yeah, can you meet me at 11.20? And I'm like, what? I, I, 11.20, that's like in 10 minutes. I am across town. And that, that was a minor, like, ugh. What an asshole. If it's seriously, 1120, that's that's meeting 40 minutes earlier, only a half hour before you find out. But I mean, it's not that big a deal. It's just this is the kind of stuff that I'm flipping out over, but I didn't flip out because that's the kind of stuff that would have set me off, except I'm letting the bigger stuff set me off. And when I say bigger, I mean minutely bigger. My fraction, fraction of you know, the time that would have you know what I'm talking about? Look, I put myself into a good mood by getting all of this off my chest in a way. Oh, that's the other thing. On Friday with uh, Vera when I was doing the show, she's like, you do 15 minutes, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm doing my act and everything's going fine. I'm making fun of the audience members. It's really fun. And for first she she fucked up this whole thing. She, she had the people's mics off, so you're not hearing anything. You know, put the people's mics on so they can hear your laughs. And I, I called her later. I'm like, you know, you should have set this up beforehand. This is fucking bullshit. I'm so angry. Um, but I was angry because also I was trying to set my timer for 50 minutes, but I forgot. So, you know, there's a period of time where all of us, all four of us, like, wait, am I, is that my time or whatever? And I assume, because I'm pretty sure I did 10 minutes, but I pretty much wanted confirmation that I wasn't going over. And she goes... Yeah, Dave, that's good. Corey's got to go somewhere anyway, so um, thanks. And I was like, what? I, I, I wanted to at least let me say one. She, normally, you're supposed to say, yeah, yeah, just do one more joke or so. You know what I'm saying? That's what I was expecting. So I'm like, you really suck. I hate you so much. I could never actually hate her because I'll always love her because she really is kind of a special person, but these last two things... That we done are just horrible, and she's she's very nice and very pretty, and I miss her. And but you know, I suppose this is one of the reasons we couldn't get married. Yeah, that's right. It's really fucking annoying. <laughs> well, could have married her. I actually brought her around to the family that loved her. Could have happened, maybe. Look at me. What am I talking about? Uh, so let's talk right now about the stupid Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which truly got it right this year. I couldn't be happier, as you know. I think people texted me or called me and said, uh, I think you know, I think you're gonna be okay this year. So as you know, we went over the inductees were Devo, the Go-Go's, the Foo Fighters, Todd Rundgren, LL Cool J, Shaka Khan. I'm not going to I'm not even going to bother with the names I can't pronounce. Carol King, Kate Bush, Rage Against the Machine, Jay-Z, Iron Maiden, Mary J. Blige, New York Dolls, Tina Turner, Dionne Warwick. And we made a case, and you don't need to make a case. I just said if the Go-Go's out of all that list aren't on the list of inductees this year, then the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is truly a bag of shit as we know they are anyway because they're stupid and dumb. 
and they better get canceled out. Because if you don't put a pioneer band that's all female with you and your stupid diversity shit that is ruining everything where you're forced to do shit, you know, you want to have the conversation and we get why it is. But here, you know, again, it's like the Oscars, you say with Get Out again. I mean, how many times are you going to bring it up? Fix all your problems by giving Get Out Best Picture. There's always ways to do this. Not just nominating or doing somebody because they're a woman, because they're black, and they're not the right choice. The Go-Go's were the perfect opportunity for you to say, we're doing it right. It's 2021. So... Remember that. Uh, that was the most thing. The Go-Go's didn't get where we're on. They're in. Thank God. We said the Foo Fighters should totally be in for obvious reasons. They're great. You're taking about a, a guy who came from an unbelievable other band, Nirvana. They deserve to get in, but I'm not going to go ballistic if they don't go in. We said Todd Rundgren is a great choice. He is rock and roll. LL Cool J, you got to be fucking kidding me. Shaka Khan, you got to be fucking kidding me. I get the case. And if you're not the rock and roll Hall of Fame, we've been over this a hundred times. Carol King, duh. Right? Kate Bush, you got to be fucking kidding me. Rage Against the Machine, you make a case for. Jay-Z is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Iron Maiden, you can make a case for. Mary J. Blige is dumb because they're not rock and roll. They're not rock and roll. Whatever. New York Dolls, Tina Turner, whatever she is, needs to be in. Right? Don't fuck that up. She's going to die, and then you're going to like have to give it to her posthumously, and nobody fucking cares for that when you had the opportunity. And then Dion Warwick, you got to be fucking kidding me. Right? So those are the same. Like We had ones where basically... You know, we can make a case for Devo, which we wanted them in, but if if you don't put the Go-Go's and Tina Turner in, you and me are going to have a problem because those are just no fucking brainers. So who got in? Tina Turner and the Go-Go's. Thank God. Seriously. And Carol King. Those needed to happen really badly. Somehow Jay-Z got in. Whatever. You know all of his rock and roll stuff. It's fantastic, isn't it? (sighs) On the flip side, if we're just calling it the Hall of Fame of music, then Jay-Z deserves to be in there. But again, if you're going to call it the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, whatever, that's fine. Nobody doesn't doesn't like Jay-Z. And what a fucking year he's going to have if uh, he gets nominated and he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame, which he is doing, and the Nets win it all. Now that's a now that's a that's one hell of a year for a black man in America. Who's <laughs> married to such a hot woman? Well, that guy's done everything right in his career. And the Foo Fighters got in. Thank God too. But again, I wouldn't have hit the fan if they didn't. And Todd Rundgren. I think it's a perfect choice. Devo was left out. What are you gonna do? That's all right. I think they got it right this year. I think that is a very good class of people so i mean but the other thing is with the foo fighters and the foo fighters are awesome and i've liked them for years they were my favorite band for a long time 
now I think it would be if I had to choose my favorite rock and roll band, it'd be Green Day. And they're not rock and roll. They're more new wave rock. Foo Fighters, old school rock. But, I mean, just they write such, you know, he, Dave Grohl writes such good songs. But a lot of times I can't listen to them now because their first album was overplayed for me, you know, because I worshipped the first album. And when I was doing my one-man show in the 90s and Aspen and stuff, I used their music. I used that whole album. And then in 1999, when we were doing The Odd Couple, I used that album. I was playing the album all the time while people were getting seated and stuff. It was my favorite album. And I remember after the show, The Odd Couple show, I was making out with this really pretty hot girl that I really, really liked. And I couldn't believe we were fooling around. I was so excited. And I think, what was this song? I, I don't like to think about it because I, I can't listen to their music anymore because it takes me back. And I wish we could have continued to go out. And it was just that night, unfortunately. And it was so romantic. And I had a sore throat. And this is just from talking so much, not a sickness or anything. And I was just, uh, I was so happy. And then when I couldn't see her again, unfortunately, the songs, I, I can't listen to the band anymore. <laughs> I know it's horrible. And they write such good songs. I mean, that I was talking about the 90s, but this is only from like 10 years ago, and it's so good. so good and then, i mean that's like it's like off their like sixth or seventh album you know it's like they they, they certainly weren't a one-hit wonder which i think a lot of people thought when you take the drummer from nirvana well this guy what's he gonna be doing and they are still relevant and around and i remember when they first came out in fact i think when they first came out i was actually on mtv on a show talking about them and promoting them when they first came out. I, I was on an MTV. Look at, look at me and my stupid career. And it's funny because I just, when their second album came out, this song was on it, and I'm like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. This is the most complicated. How do they even, how do you even learn to play a song like this? I will always worship this song. 
<laughs> it's. Can you imagine like somebody from like uh, the 1950s or, or the 60s coming in and and they, you know, they come and they hear something like this in the, in the 60s. You know, there's, there's time traveling, and they're like, "Wait, what? 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 How do you even play this? How is this? How is this happening? Who plays the guitar that quickly? Who can drum that quickly?" Yeah, that's one of my favorite Foo Fighters songs. So I am all in on them being in the Hall of Fame. And of course, all that stuff was, even that, that last one we heard, the times like these, that this guy is so fucking talented, this producer, Butch Vig, we've talked about him before. And of course, you know him from this. I'm only happy when it Shirley Manson imitation. <laughs> wait, wait. She really has that thick Scottish accent. Wait. I wait. It's just going to be Michael Caine. I can't do it. <laughs> She's got, it's so funny when you're singing and it, then you hear her talk and you're like, Oh, my God. And this one. To an awesome climax you want. This guy's so good. This guy, uh, Butch Vig, he's so good. And you know, it's, so that was garbage. They broke up for a while. And then I just saw, like, when I was going down the rabbit hole here, I mean, they, they, they got back together, which I, I didn't even know. And I don't, yeah, I guess this is from about 10 years ago. I think they had an album out like this year. But this one is from 10 years ago when they got back together and redid it, and it's still really good. This guy's such a good producer. You know, you saw what he did for Nirvana, and Kurt Cobain was furious. He's like, this sounds stupid, because they weren't getting it together. He goes, no, you got to double-track your voice. And he goes, no, that's stupid. That's cheating. It's stupid. It's too polished, Kurt Cobain. You know, he's like, eh, we're going to be grunge. And he goes, well, John Lennon used to do it. All right, I'll do it.
I like it. This guy's great. Now, that talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I'm, I'm going to assume he's... I don't know whether they put producers in and stuff like that. I, I don't... I wonder... I guess you don't... I guess he doesn't get to get... I mean, this guy's done... He's unbelievable. I mean, I think we've done a whole show on him before. I mean, he's really unbelievable. Boy, it would be interesting to have him on the show. Like, you know, producing. Gee, that's so complicated. I can't even imagine. When I watch those shows, like the classic album shows, and I see them, you know, with all the, the button, you know, the, the, all that huge, big electronic stuff in front of them, like, how do they know how to do, like, George Martin? You know, I mean, can you imagine a guy like George Martin, the Beatles? He's got just, like, you know, buttons like I have right in front of me for the podcast. Like, and, and, and this is a big deal. I mean, it's actually, I guess it's more complicated for somebody like George Martin who had nothing in front, nothing to work with. And he's got these guys, he goes, hey, I got some ideas. How about we use a piccolo this time? And he's like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ, can't you guys just stick to guitars and drums? You know, you guys, uh, I, first of all, you call the Beatles the stupidest name I've ever heard. You're really not going to go anywhere with these other instruments, this crazy talk. Sergeant Peppers, who's going to buy that? There was nothing on that goddamn album cover. Nothing. The White Album, what was that? That was nothing. There was nothing on that goddamn cover. Nothing. And you are talking about a woman on all fours forced to smell a glove. No. Do you have a drink? No, I don't, okay? uh, I don't really need one. Huh. But um, listen, I really, I really do have to talk to you a bit about this, uh, Ian, this whole issue. Ian, whatever's the, uh, on your mind. The issue of the cover. Yeah. Um, we, uh, I mean, we feel, and it seems to be facts, that... Uh, the company is rather down on the cover. Is that the case? Yes. You can give it to me straight, you know. Listen, um, they don't like the cover. Uh-huh. They don't like well, the cover. Well, that's certainly straight. They find it very offensive and what? very sexist. Well, and what exactly do you find offensive? Ian, I mean, I mean, what's you offensive cut a greased, naked woman yes. on all fours yes. with a dog collar with around dog her neck. And a leash. And a leash. And a man's arm extended out up to here, holding on to the leash and pushing a black glove in her face to sniff it. You don't find that offensive? No. You don't, don't. find that sexist? This is 1982. That's Bobby. right, Come it's on. 1982. Get out of the 60s. We don't have this mentality anymore. Well, you should Listen have seen the me. cover they wanted to do. I don't care it wasn't what the they club, want. Believe See, me. now this is something, Ian, that you're going to have to talk to your boys about. We're, we're certainly not laying down And I don't think that a conditions. sexy cover is the answer for why an album sells or doesn't sell, because you tell me the white album what was that there was nothing on that goddamn cover one last thing today before we leave i saw this very interesting article and i was questioning it myself and i think you'll question the same thing on how kind of sushi started here in america like where did it come from you know because i was thinking about it i'm like you know that's a good question i don't remember sushi certainly being here when i grew up and I kind of remember it starting in the late 80s or maybe early 90s where I remember my dad said, hey, we go, we go to this new sushi place in Edison, New Jersey, or maybe it was in Ford's because you needed to know. Uh, they would go to this strip mall and have sushi. Oh, we love it. We love sushi. <laughs> I remember my dad telling me. And then you knew. It was, it was like when I started um, buying Bitcoin. Uh, Joe Messina would say, like, hey, if Just Guy's buying it, it means it's over. That means everybody knows about it. So when my dad discovered sushi, he was like, okay, now it's in. But the way it got here actually has a lot to do with Yul Brenner. Yeah, you heard me right. Moses's nemesis, Ramses, the pharaoh, it came here like World War II, but it was in this place. There was a little place 
in like little Tokyo that was right outside the 20th Century Fox lot. So Yul Brenner and a bunch of people would go to this place all the time. And once the celebrities know about it, you know, it, it becomes pretty big. But as you and, and that was in the, like in 1970, it was a bar called Osho. It was the first sushi bar to open. But because the celebrities went there, kind of started becoming popular. But then Shogun, the TV show that I totally remember, it's so funny, in 1980, where me and my friends were obsessed with the, the miniseries with the, uh, now the now gay, I believe, Richard Chamberlain. I don't know why that's a thing, but it is. Um, that was like a miniseries. You know, we were all watching it and we were all learning Japanese. We were all in school. We'd all be like, Akadamas. Ah, Christensen. I remember my friend Christian Pinella, I believe his name was. And we go, Christensen. We were calling everybody that because Shogun was huge. I don't know why. I don't know why this miniseries Shogun was huge. I guess because we didn't know anything about Japan. It's just, it's like, it's like, it's like Hawaii all over again, but it's also like, I guess. In 1980, like, you know, when James Bond went to Japan and you only lived twice, that was a big deal. And, and when you're reading the book, you know, they're talking about Japan because we didn't know that much about Japan or modern Japan or stuff because there wasn't the internet and there wasn't stuff. So it's like Hawaii. When Hawaii became a state and everybody was talking, you know, we've talked about this before with all the sitcoms, I Dream of Genie and the Brady Bunch, and everybody's going to Hawaii because it's new and it's, it's interesting. And they have different cultures and different things and we're learning about it. And so that's what happened with Shogun for some reason. And then it became really popular. And then I guess sushi came out a little bit. And then, in reading about this, they said in 1977, a Senate report recommended Americans eat more fish. And after that, sushi, seen as a food for healthy and beautiful people, and Yul Brenner, was really on a roll. <laughs> I got to put that in my act, right? I'm joking, of course. But yeah, it's funny because then I the the first time I heard about it was in 1984 in the Breakfast Club when Molly Ring when he uh, Judd Nelson goes I can't always want to call him Judd Hirsch Judd Nelson goes what is that and she's like it's sushi because it was big in California for like upper class I guess people that you would know about it and and you know it definitely sat there like everybody else going ew. What is it? Raw fish. Ah, so you'll put that in your mouth, but you won't have a guy's tongue in your mouth. I believe that's the line from the breakfast club. What's that? Sushi. Sushi? <laughs> Rice, uh, raw fish, and seaweed. You won't accept a guy's tongue in your mouth and you're going to eat that? Can I eat? I don't know. Give it a try. So you'll put that raw fish in your mouth. So then, nope, you know, you're sitting there when you're listening to it and you're watching her eat, you're like, ugh, Molly Ringwald. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm not um, kidding about her acting, which stinks. Thank you. Perfect for those movies. Now she should never be acting again. She sucks. Anyway, don't get upset. David, David, calm down. David, I just don't want this to affect your performance. No, it's, it's, it's not, you see, because I'm a professional. No, I'll rise above it. Don't worry. Um, it's, nothing, it's, it's nothing. I was joking. I was joking. I'm doing a lot of Spinal Tap today. 
Nigel, Nigel, look, I mean, calm I don't. Down, calm calm down. Down. It's, no, it's no big deal. Look, sorry, it's a joke. You know, it's really. It's, 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 a, just, it's just some crack at university, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right, I it's really. It's all I don't a, want it to affect your performance. It's not right. going to affect my right. performance. Don't That's worry about it, all right? Okay. Just hate it. Really, yeah, it does so it disturb me. But I it's rise above it. I'm a professional, right? Uh, but yeah, that's it. I remember that. And then, so that was in what was that 84, 85, maybe breakfast club. And then, after, and then I guess about three, four years later, it was, you know, it was in Jersey. Once it got to Jersey, once it was in a strip mall in Jersey, it was there. And that's just so funny. Cause then, you know, now it's just so normal. You either love it or you hate it, but oh my God, there's a sushi restaurant, just like there is a nail salon in every corner in New York city. You just don't get, I mean, it is fascinating in California. You can go to a goddamn strip mall and you've had the best sushi you've ever had. And here it's just not the same unless you go to the really expensive places. There's a real difference. Fascinating. Oh, and the reason I also brought it up is because I got into a fight with the sushi place across the street. On Friday, I decided to order food to have after I finished uh, Vera's show, right? So I'm like, you know what? I'll give myself a little treat. I'll have it ready when it's here. I'll just put it in the fridge. And I got to fight with these guys because I ordered it on Seamless. And I went, I did not get high this time, but I went downstairs. And again, I said, I'm not going to have it delivered. I'll save the money. I'll go across the street. And I get there and they say on the app, it's ready to be picked up. I go in there. She goes, we left nothing for you. And I'm like, excuse the accent. And um, I'm like, what are you talking about? It told me to pick it up. She goes, oh, maybe you have different location. I'm like, I don't have a different location. I come here all the time. It's 1066 or something, whatever it is. And I'm like, what you know, what what do you why are you telling me I have it wrong? I have it right here. She goes, Well, we don't have any order. I'm like, how is that possible? I mean, look, why did you tell me it was ready then? And of course it was there. She had it on the computer. Goes, oh, just give us a second. I'm like, well, I don't want it rushed now. Because there was also I was getting a beef negamaki. You can't rush that. It's gonna be cooked. But she's like, oh, no, we'll be fine. I'm like, nah, you know what? Let's just cut it. Let's just cancel it. Let's start. Forget it. This sucks. And you're an asshole because you're not saying like, oh, I'm sorry. You're not admitting that you fucked up somehow. And I'm getting upset. And I'm like, no, just cancel it. It's like, no, no, it'd be finished soon. And uh, and it was finished really soon, but I didn't want it that quickly. I'm like, just forget it. And they wouldn't let me cancel it. So I came home and I and I was talking to the guy at the sushi place. I'm like, you believe this? You know, like they're like, oh, I know what she said. She said, we're busy. She said, we're busy. And I'm like, I get that you're busy, but that's not my concern in the sense that you told me it was ready. It's just what I told you. There's no excuse. You can't be. We're busy. I don't give a shit. If I'm at your restaurant and it's taking a long time to get there and I see you're busy, I get it. If you send me an app that says it's ready for pickup, go fuck yourself with your it, um, we're busy excuse. Am I wrong about this? So I called Seamless. I start yelling at this lady on there. I called because that's the beauty about Seamless. I can't do anything more about that restaurant. But I can call Seamless and they can call. They're like, yeah, we had a complaint. And I say, good. And at least I can get it off my chest. It's like therapy. I call the lady at Seamless. I yell at her and she was nothing but nice. And then I calm down. She's like, she's like, just. The lady on Seamus goes, okay, take a breath. Take a breath. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I got I to gotta take a breath. I got to take a breath. You're absolutely right. I don't know what I'm thinking. I got to, yeah, I got to relax. <laughs> the lady from Seamless, this is Seamless Grubhub, you know, it's like an ordering app if you don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. The lady from Seamless had to tell me to take a breath. I'm telling you, I'm losing my mind. That's embarrassing. And 
clearly hilarious at the same time. And that is our show for today. We had a good time today. It started out a little like, oh my God, what kind of show is this going to be? Because, you know, you know, the whole world has lost its head. It's very clear the Go-Go's are prolific and brilliant. Very excited to see them perform. I guess that's in uh, the fall or something. I'm excited about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this time. I am excited. I feel it's all the right choices. I'm very, very pleased. Maybe they listen to my rant. Maybe somebody listens to my podcast. I don't know. But whatever the case may be, I hope everybody is going to have a lovely week. Don't forget, tonight on the show, Wayne Fetterman and his book, The History of Stand-Up Comedy. That's fascinating. Mark Cohen, who's hilarious of all times, the house MC at the Comedy Cellar Las Vegas. And this week on the Village Old Podcast... Baby Grand and Big Man on Mulberry Street, two of the worst songs ever, but doesn't that provide the fun? Folks, I'll see you next week on the Nightfly Podcast. I hope everybody has a wonderful week. It's beautiful weather. It's May, and take off your masks and enjoy yourself. Good night, everybody. <laughs>